Hello, moms and wonderful entrepreneurs. So I'm so glad you can join me again for another chat for this segment um, with Life Unboxed. So I wanted to sit down with moms and just have them share their stories so that we as moms can be inspired by somebody else's story. So today I sit down with Amy Zopp. So she is an author and homeschooling mom of seven, soon to be eight, but she has a very special family. She has four biological kids and three adopted kids, but they're also in the process of adopting number eight. So she um, shares some practical tips on if you want to uh, get started with this process and... um, you know, kind of how to navigate, just some help to navigate through it a little bit. Um, And it was a really great conversation. I love hearing adoption stories. And so I am excited to bring this conversation to you. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Amy. Well, welcome to the show. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay. Um, I am Amy Zopp and I have been married to my husband for almost 18 years. We have seven children, four biological children and three adopted children. Um, our oldest is almost 15 and our youngest just turned six. And, um, I work full-time at home. I homeschool the kids and uh, keep everything running here. And um, that's it. Okay. So um, how old are your biological kids? And then how old are your adopted kids? Like, where do they all fit in? So um, my oldest three are all biological boys and they go um, 14, 13 and then I have an adopted son who's eight, a biological daughter who's eight, and an adopted daughter who's eight. So, You're triplets. Um, yes. <laughs> and then our last, our little caboose right now is six, um, but we're actually in process to adopt our eight, and she'll come in between the eight-year-olds and the six-year-olds. So um, yes, the triplets joined us at different times. So obviously okay. the biological daughter has been with us since the beginning. Um, my adopted daughter joined us when she was 16 months old. Um, she was adopted from China and my adopted son, Howie, he joined us after he turned three. So okay. when we had three, three-year-olds, um, it was a <laughs> bit of a circus, but <laughs> They're best friends now, and it's um, it's really great. So, yeah, I can imagine that's. It's, uh, I'm sure it's a very active household. Yeah, so, yeah. Have you homeschooled your kids um, the whole time, or have they ever gone to public private school? Um, mostly the whole time. We've moved a lot for my husband's job, and it's been the easiest way to keep things consistent for them. Um, we did try a couple of little. Um, different school options in some other places that we lived. And, um, hi, I'm Amy and I'm a bit of control freak. So (laughs) I, I actually enjoy doing this school myself more. Um, 
And we also all enjoy slow mornings. And I, you know, I did a summer camp this summer and I had to pack lunches for all of them and get them <laughs> out the door, like at a regular time every day. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is just not how I was made. So <laughs> yeah, um, my dad was military, so we moved around a lot. So it was, if we had not been homeschooled, my sister and I would have attended like three or four high schools alone. <laughs> right. Right. So sometimes it just makes it easier. So now you've adopted your kids. You said China, but also from Bulgaria, right? Yes. Our youngest is from Bulgaria. And the one that we're in process for now is in Bulgaria. So yes. All right. So let me, cause I have, uh, I know a lot of people who have adopted out of China. And so mm-hmm. Bulgaria is kind of a new country, um, mm-hmm. that I'm seeing is becoming, I don't want to say more popular. I don't feel like that's the right word, but I guess a lot of people are starting to adopt from there. So why, um, what, what is it about Bulgaria that I guess is more open to adoption? Right. So what we've seen in the last few years is several countries, uh, shutting their, shutting down their international adoption programs. So for example, although we hope that China reopens, um, they've been closed since COVID. So there's lots of waiting families hoping to get into China still, but um, right now you can't. And um, of course, Russia shut down some time ago, Ethiopia shut down. Um, And so there are actually relatively few um, international countries available for Americans to adopt from. Um, And also there are lots of regulations. So for example, our family went twice to China and then we were too large to adopt from China again. Um, so there's rules even for their adoptive families, you're allowed to have it home. And so, um, we had to, you know, go by which countries do we qualify for and all countries set their own rules with family size and how many parents are in the home and how much money do you make? And so (laughs) I'm very, very organized. And I just made basically a checklist. This is where we're qualified to adopt from. And we just prayed over it, honestly. And, um, we knew some people who had been, who had adopted from Bulgaria. And so we were able to connect with them first and, um, it seemed like a good fit. So, okay. So what sparked this journey for you? Because uh, like, I know from my friends who've adopted, this is not an easy, um, Thing to do. So you have to really be committed to the process. So what, tell us how it started. Um, it was actually my husband's idea, which is, which is different. I've, I've heard is very different, but we had three boys when he suggested it the first time. And my youngest at the time wasn't even a year yet. Um, and so I kind of, I still wasn't quite sane. And I remember very Oh, we were driving home from a splash park. We lived in the Dallas, Texas area at the time. And he said, I think we should adopt a baby. I just looked at him. I've lost your ever loving mind. And, um, and he said, will you pray about it? And I just kind of raised my eyebrows and thought, I don't really want to. (laughs) Um, You're like, I need to sleep first. (laughs) I'm not sleeping. And, you know, and so then, um, we did pray about it and, uh, a few months later, we talked about it again, and, and 
process was daunting the first time, honestly, um, the paperwork and the, the financial commitment and things we, we said yes, before we knew how we were going to make it happen. And, um, it, we just kind of, again, the, the paperwork is just organizational skills is <laughs> chasing down one thing after another, after another. Um, and that first process took a long time. It took two and a half years and we were still fairly young. Uh, and that was helpful for us because the finances could come over the course of time instead of all at once. Um, so that's how it started. We went for Laura. Kate is our, was our first adopted child. She came home at 16 months and, um, it just changed our lives bringing her home. So, I mean, not only seeing the need, of course, that was very impactful, but also just seeing her transformation from this starving little girl to this beautiful young lady that she is now. And, um, and the same transformation for all the children who adopted with that group. It's just, um, it was just one of those experiences that you can never go back and you're glad that you can't, but the person you were before didn't no longer exists. So, so what is one, one thing you wish you had known before starting the process? So hmm. I'm sure there's a lot, if you have more um, than one, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so the process itself, the first time I got started, I, they sent me the list of paperwork and I, I actually cried because I just thought I could never do this. <laughs> How am I ever going to do this? Um, China process in particular is actually much more difficult than the Eastern Europe process. But um, I think I would have just told myself to take a deep breath and, and go piece by piece just for the process part. But I think what I wish I would have known and what this process really has changed me a lot is that um, you're going to just need to take your fingers off the controls and, and let God be God, because um, there are just lots of times that, again, my nature is that I want to know what's happening and, and have some piece of control in what's happening. And that just was not the case. It is not the case. And, um, and it ends up being okay. <laughs> Um, but the process itself, you feel like, oh my gosh, I just, I have no control here. So, um, no, I understand. Cause if we have control, then we can fix it. We can make it all better. Right. 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 <laughs> so right. how long, so it took two and a half years for the first one. What about for the next two plus the one in process? Right. So a lot faster. Our okay. son. Um, we saw on a waiting child list, which was basically just kind of a list of children that our agency didn't have a, a family matched with him yet. And so from the time that we saw his picture to the time we picked him up was about nine months. Wow. Okay. And um, same for our daughter. She was a waiting child as well. And it was about, it was during COVID. So it's a little bit longer. I think it was 10 or 11 months in between um, seeing her picture and picture. Okay. So, cause in Ch with China, you have to have an agency here in the U S right. Is it the same with Bulgaria? With, yeah. 
placing agency here in the okay. U.S. who helps you with the legalities here in the United States. And then you also have an agency kind of contracted with your one here um, working for you in Bulgaria and the Bulgarian cult courts and coordinating the, the legal um, road on, on that side of the ocean. Okay. So I guess what, uh, what are some of the challenges you face? I'm thinking of the parents who are considering adoption. Like what advice would you um, just give to them about some of the things that you faced um, going through all of this, this whole process? Right. Um, the biggest challenge for me and the biggest challenge adjustment that we had to make as far as um, our lifestyle is that the kids, they came to us at a certain age, um, technically, but not in actuality. And so it's been helpful to be a homeschool family in that regard, because I can just meet them where they are. Um, but it is, um, I still have to check myself mentally. For example, um, Emmeline came home last year and she's six, but she acts like she's two or three. And so, you know, the, um, there's a part of us that's programmed to say, you know, you should be acting like you're six, even though, you know, in your head that, that she shouldn't be because she didn't get anything for five years. And so, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's been an, an adjustment. And so as far as therapies and school, things like that, um, because I move a lot, I've had hustle to find those things for my kids, but I think that anyone who going into the process could do that in advance, that would be super mm-hmm. helpful because they, they do have different needs than your biological children have. Right. Um, it's helpful to have them and careful, especially with, I'm sorry, with Laura, I was just really careful to put people in her life other than myself who told her that she could do whatever she wanted to do. Um, because there's just a lot of people who will say you can't, you'll never. And I just didn't want that to be the song sung over her. So I think if I was adopting for the first time, and not moving around every year and a half, <laughs> I would try to, you know, cultivate that, that, that culture around my family of, of people that are supportive. So. Okay. Um, so do you have any practical tips for blending the family? Cause really this is, you are blending, uh, you mm-hmm. have a blended family. So how, yeah. what were, what would be some of your, um, tips to just help with that process? Right. Um, I mean, we just have kind of, we have fun honoring their cultures, uh, in different ways. We like to celebrate certain Chinese, um, holidays just because they're fun. There's, there's a fall festival that China holds. Um, and we love it. It's kind of like their Thanksgiving and similar ish. Um, but we love celebrating that one every year. And, uh, we have decorations up in the house of, you know, from their various adoption trips and just, it's more of a daily honoring of their culture than the big events. We do like celebrating those holidays, but, um, just being careful in, in the words in the world around us, China and specifically has become a little touchy because people are relatively negative about China nowadays. Right. And so um, my son especially hears it a lot and he'll say, I wish I wasn't from China. And so 
we have to um you know teach him some some good history and and fun things he he has fun learning about the they invented gunpowder and <laughs> all of that kind of stuff you know I mean he's an eight-year-old boy so exactly <laughs> okay so with seven kids and you're homeschooling all of them and all of their different developmental levels. Um, how do you structure your days to get everything done or your week? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do, I mean, my, one of my biological kids is like all the charts gifted. And then I have all the way, <laughs> all the way down to my little one who's watching like a two-year-old. So um, I do a lot of family learning for history and sciences and I make my big kids go do extra activities with whatever that topic is so we did ancient history last year and so we would do a family read aloud you know that has to do with ancient history and then my big ones would go off on their own and do extra reading whatever Mm. topic was and extra writing assignments I will say this year I'm sending my two biggest ones off to a co-op because they've reached the peak of my science knowledge. And (laughs) I just feel like, um, they would benefit from someone else teaching them every now and then. But, uh, we all sit down together and do Bible and history and science. And then we kind of break apart and I take turns doing, you know, the grammar and the phonics and the math, them at their individual levels. And I assign them a, a little child to, uh, to play with while I'm doing that. So for example, I'm doing phonics with this one. So you're doing a puzzle with that one. And, and it's part of their school day. It works. So, uh, it works most days, some days, not, (laughs) but most days it does. Now I do the same thing with my older kids and especially when they're helping with the younger kids schoolwork. I'm like, okay, you're doing reading, you're doing this. Yeah. And it it just helps. Yeah. So you're a homeschool mom you're an adoptive mom, but you're also an author. Oh yeah. So share with us. So my uh, third adopted, I mean, I'm sorry, no, my third biological son, Jacob, the 10 year old, uh, he is dyslexic. And, um, I, if you had talked to me two or three years ago, I would have just told you he's never going to read It's official. He's just never going to read. And I, I was a literature and reading teacher. (laughs) <laughs> and so it was just a humbling because his brain works so much differently than um, a non-dyslexic child. And so I asked him to a podcast um, with a dyslexia specialist and just the light bulbs came on. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be teaching him in a much different way. And so anyway, um, long story short, uh, during the time that I was how to teach him properly he can read now by the way he he does read um he was obsessed with snakes I mean like every read had to be a snake book or whatever and so he was mad though he didn't ever want to be snake was always the villain and he would always go on and on about how wonderful snakes are why does it always have to be the bad guy and so we were at uh, the beach one day and I just did this sketch, this little silly sketches of uh, Jake, the super snake, his, my son's name is Jake. Um, and so I wrote all these little adventures of Jake, the super snake. And in each little adventure, he shows off 
a snake superpower. So in the first one, he eats a rat in the kitchen for the mom. (laughs) And, um, and so my parents, you know, saw it, we were, we were with them at the beach and they're like, Oh my gosh, you should try to get these published. And I like, Oh, that's, this is so fun. So, so the first one just came out a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, I guess now um, it's called Jake, the super snake. And then the second one, it should be out. Well, actually it's called Jake, the super snake goes to school and um, the school bully gets must on, which is another snake superpower where the snake kind of, it's kind of like a skunk, you know, he gets mad and okay. he shoots off this on the school bully. And so We'll see. I, I actually have more adventures and I'm just kind of waiting in, seeing how these little adventures do and whether I want to keep, keep going the next one he was patient and eats a snake. So anyway, it's just a silly little thing that I did for my son. And the language is very simple because at the time he was just barely reading and, um, and it's just a fun little adventure story about a snake. So Sounds like fun. Um, and it's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm glad that I have it to give to my kids. So we'll see if you know it actually sells. So. <laughs> I know that's always a big question. <laughs> well, the market is so saturated. I mean, you go to the children's department, there's about a million and a half books there. I'm like, what are the odds? Who knows? Yeah. So what do you do as a mom to recharge? I'm, I'm a runner. Well, I play at it. I don't like really calling myself a runner, but I liked to run. Um, I try to run at least three or four times a week. And so I love that. And then I wake up before my kids and enjoy the quiet and read my Bible and, (laughs) and just enjoy some silence because it's rare here. Yes, it is. I know sometimes my oldest son will get up because he has to take care of the dog. And I just look at him. I'm like, you're not allowed to talk to me right now. This is my time and you cannot talk. Yeah. (laughs) I may have said some similar things. Yes. (laughs) They'll wake up sometimes and look at me with my Bible and they know now, now, but when they were a little younger, I would say you can sit there if you make no noise. No, no questions. <laughs> exactly. No questions. That's the big one. So as we wrap up, um, I have two more questions for you. So what is your favorite part of being a mom? Mm-hmm. Watching these little people turn into amazing humans. I mean, you start with the baby snuggles, which I actually miss sometimes, but now big ones are turning into these tiny adults, you know, and they're delightful and they're such fun. And I just have so much fun with them. I mean, I know it's going to sound silly, but one of my favorite times of the day is when my little ones are asleep and me and the big ones are playing Mario Kart. I just, (laughs) (laughs) it's just so fun. And, and the, in the more serious, I was watching one of the, the older ones help the younger one invent a game yesterday. And I thought, you know, y'all are turning into these delightful people and I get the front row and I just, I just love it. They're just amazing. Great. And where can everyone find you? I'm sorry. Where can everyone find you? Oh, you know, 
I stink at it. I'm, I'm on social media, but I really stink at it. So, but you can message me if you have any questions. I'm always happy to talk adoption or homeschooling or anything. I'm on a bunch of boards on Facebook, stuff like that. But um, I'll be honest, my phone gets shoved in the drawer for most of the day. So I, I kind of stink at being any sort of presence on social media, but I am there if they want to find me. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. And I will definitely leave the links for um, your Amazon, your Amazon links for your book in the show notes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad you were able to come and share your stories with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) 